Welcome back to another episode of Girls Talk Money. Today we're diving into all of our money rules that we live by. We kind of have some similar ones, kind of have some different ones, and maybe a few curveballs in there. We're excited to dive into, but before we dive in, we'll go into our regular weekly recap. So what's been going on in your life, Erin? This is a super busy week. Obviously, it's right before the holidays when we're filming this, so things are just a little bit crazy, but within this week, I moved to a new apartment, so I guess that's the first little thing in my weekly recap. I did officially move, so if you're watching the video of this, I'm like in my new office. Nothing is put together. There's like stuff all over the floor. My desk also broke in the moving process, so I have this like little tiny desk that was in my old bedroom that I'm using to film today um so i'm just trying to figure out like all of the office stuff i think that's going to be a january project to really like put the office together and make this into sort of an office slash podcast studio slash i kind of want this to be a space where if i have a guest they can stay so it's in the works i don't really know what i'm gonna do with this room yet <laughs> but i am loving the new apartment so much um i got a lot put together through the week and everything my couch is here my bedroom is set up getting my closet together and everything like that. And I am loving it. It is so much bigger than my last phase. Like I literally feel like my apartment doubled in size. So um, I had a really good time. Moving was kind of, it was, it went fine. Um, I feel like it would have been, I feel like it was supposed to be a little bit easier just because I was literally moving from one unit to another unit, like not even leaving the complex. Um, but I hired some movers through U-Haul and when you hire through U-Haul, they're like independent service providers. So it's not like U-Haul workers that come um, and got a little messed up. I was supposed to have two people, but only one of them showed up and he was like, oh, sorry, my like guy got into a car wreck or something. Like it was like a real weird. I was like, what? Um, so luckily my boyfriend was there to help, but he had to do a lot more than he intended to. And we ended up recruiting his roommate as well to come oh help me move. So the three of them just kind of like were packing this U-Haul and moving all the things I'm carrying, like little lamps and stuff. And like, <laughs> but we got it together. It was totally fine. And also my desk breaking in the moving process, I did buy insurance. So they will be refunding me for the desk and I will be able to buy a new one with that. So it's all well and good. That's totally fine. Moving went well, loving the new apartment. Um, my other kind of like weekly recap things going on, I did have my event a couple of days ago. So we're filming on Friday. I had my event on Wednesday. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I live in Pittsburgh and on Wednesday, I threw an event. I threw a little like holiday party for women in Pittsburgh and over a hundred people came. Um, I was like so nervous about this. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I had I kind so of... much FOMO looking at this on social media. I was like, I suddenly want to move to Pittsburgh in this exact moment. <laughs> yeah, no, it was honestly so fun. Um, like I kind of knew we were going to have a good turnout because I ticketed the event. So over a hundred people got tickets and but I don't know I just like was so stressed all day that like people were gonna decide not to come because it's the week of Christmas and everyone's busy or people would show up and then it would be really awkward and no one would have a good time <laughs> but it was really fun like I was walking around the whole time and everyone was like talking to each other everyone said that they made new friends the room was set uh -huh. up so well to where like you kind of had to sit with other people. There were tables of like six to eight in little like booths and things. So people I think were like naturally sitting with people that they didn't come with. 
Also, a lot of people came by themselves, which I thought was so cool. Like, people were coming strictly to make friends, and I thought that that was so fun. Like, I don't know if I would put myself out there like that or be, like, confident enough to walk into a party, like, by myself without any friends. But it was so cool that other people did. Um, So the event went really well. I The other thing that I had on here, though, going off of the event is I feel like I'm done drinking. I feel like I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. And that is because Wednesday night, obviously I had the event and I only had, I drove. So I only had two drinks and we were there for a really long time. I got there at six and I didn't go home until 1130. I literally had two drinks and I woke up the next morning feeling so terrible, right? Like so terrible. I was like hungover, didn't go to the gym, like just started my day off really bad. And then last night, um, my boyfriend and I went and met two of his friends out for dinner and we were there for a really long time. He was driving. So I was like, okay, I'll like get a couple of drinks. I had two drinks and then we went to a second bar and I got a third. And as soon as I took a sip of the third, I was like, I can't drink this or I'm literally going to be like sick. Like I was like, I don't know. My tolerance is so low. And I'm like literally hung over today. Like in my Stanley right here, I am literally drinking a water boy. Those like hydration sticks Yeah, because I feel hungover and I'm so mad at <laughs> your lifeline right like, now. <laughs> no, literally. I'm so mad because the past two days I have been hungover for literally no reason, just off of a couple of drinks. And I haven't worked out. I wanted to go to the gym this morning because I just feel really good when I work out in the morning and it's ruining my life. So I think moving <laughs> forward, I'm going to be like a one drink per evening, like evening that I go out type of person. And like, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Does drinking impact your sleep? Because I notice on the nights where I drink alcohol, it keeps my heart rate so high that on my aura ring and my sleep is horrible that night. And that's one of the reasons why I've also tried to like reduce how much I drink. Have you, does it impact yeah. your sleep? Have well, you noticed it? You're going to freaking hate me for this too, because oh, no. so I just got the aura ring. I was talking about this in um, a couple episodes back. I was talking about how I got the aura ring, right? And I got the aura ring, not just for the sleep, but for the whole like natural cycles piece. The last two nights I have forgot to wear my aura ring to bed because I take it off to wash my face. And then yeah. I was like drunk apparently and like forgot <laughs> to put it back onto my finger. So I don't know. Obviously I didn't sleep that good, but yeah. Oh my I don't know. gosh. So that's really annoying. I notice like on most nights, I feel like I get like an 85, 90 sleep score. And on nights that I drink, I, the next morning, my sleep score will literally be a 45, like <laughs> horrible, horrible. And it takes yeah. me several nights to like get back on track and have like a higher readiness and like a better sleep score on my aura ring and I'm like I'm old like I'm aging like it takes me like I have like one glass of wine and I take three days to recover like it's yeah. just crazy well that definitely oh did that that does happen to me for sure I we went out last Friday I guess this is part of my weekly recap too um if you saw my what I spent in a week video last week I went out on Friday night with like the girls, we did a little holiday girls night. I spent $227, $227 going out on Friday night between Ubers. Um, we went to three different places. We like got dinner. Like it was a whole big thing. We were out for a really long time. Um, but my sleep score the next day was, I think like a 35. I slept from <laughs> yeah, 1 a.m. So to 6.30 because I had to move the next day. So like, oh my God. I'm just done. Oh my I'm just God. done with the whole drinking thing. Like it's bad in every, in every way, shape or form. I feel like it's kind of a trend <laughs> right now to like not be drinking. I want to hop on that trend. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. 
Yeah. Anyway, what's going on with your week? I know you've had a hectic week. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't want to sound like a complaint train. I really don't. Um, complaint train, ambulance, like whatever you call it. I've heard it called several oh different God. things. But I... Like, I know I've said this in the past several episodes, but, like, I have just been in a constant state of, like, the lights being on, but nobody's home. And I'm there again this week again. So, um, I, last week, I, or this past weekend, so from Friday to Monday, I went on a trip to Los Angeles with SoFi. We were there for a Rams game with SoFi, and then we, me and my best friend, we decided to stay one extra night, like, make a weekend out of it. And it was great. I love LA. For those who don't know, I lived in LA for a month earlier this year and I just like really enjoyed it. I got to just like live the day-to-day lifestyle there and it was, I mean, it's a gorgeous city, like being right by the water and just having access to all the healthy food. Um, And I've like talked about this before, but being allergic to gluten and dairy and living in the middle of nowhere, there's like one restaurant I can comfortably eat at where I'm I don't have to worry about them like glutening me or something. And in LA, I can go anywhere. We went to a a restaurant that was 100% gluten-free and I literally was able to order gluten-free focaccia and like oil to dip it in. Oh, I saw that. It looked so good. Oh my God. It was literally, (laughs) I will dream about that bread for the rest of my life. I will. It was unreal. I got like this gluten-free pasta with like a vegan cream sauce and it was like I will I will also be dreaming about that pasta forever because <laughs> it was so good. But just the ability to like walk into a restaurant, any restaurant and just know that they're going to have options for me just makes my life so much easier, especially being friends with people who don't have like the same allergies. It just oh, it, just, it really is just like one of those like mental load things that I just don't have to worry about yeah. when I'm there. So I loved it. But if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know this because I talk about it in disgusting amount because it's literally weighed so heavily on me this entire year, but I just have no idea where I want to move. I live at my parents' house right now and I'm very grateful to be here. They do not charge me rent. They do not charge me for groceries. Like I'm in a very good spot and we've done this intentionally so I could pay off student loan debt and start my marketing company and all this stuff. And I'm incredibly grateful for it, but I am ready to spread my wings. I'm ready to fly. I'm ready to have my own fridge. Um, I'm ready to like, you know, just like not be sharing. Like I have one shelf in the fridge for all of my allergen friendly food and bless his heart. But sometimes my dad will put his items on my shelf and I'm like, I'm like, I have one thing like, and he doesn't do it intentionally. It's just because we like run out of fridge space and he needs a spot to put his stuff. But I'm like, I just, I can I one shelf. Can I just have one shelf? Um, you know, and my parents, they're, they're great, but it's just like one of those things where, you know, if you've lived at home for any amount of time, you probably understand what I'm saying where you're like, yeah, like you just want to have full control over everything. And I'm at this point though, where I was like, okay, well I'll move to LA. Then I was like, you know what? I don't, know if I'm ready to make a cross-country move. I have anxiety and moving any physical location is a big trigger for me. And so I was like, maybe I should just like move in state first. Okay, I'll move to Boston. Then I started looking at Boston apartments and they're like $2,800 if you don't want to be in a 400 square foot apartment in a sketchy area. So I was like, okay, how can I justify that price? Like, I, it's just crazy. And I also want to get a dog when I move out. So I'll have to pay pet rent. I want to make sure it's a place where there's like spots I can like take my dog for a walk in the area like I don't I want to feel safe then I was like you know I went to LA this weekend and as soon as I landed I was like I'm so frustrated with myself that I haven't moved here yet like I'm so mad at myself that I just like let myself 
convince myself out of moving here. And then I was like talking to my friend who is also spiritual like me. And she was like, well, don't put pressure on yourself to like decide this weekend while you're there. Just enjoy the trip and ask the universe for signs and see what happens. And so one day I was in the shower and just like very calm, which like if you are not spiritual or maybe if you are spiritual, you just like don't know this. But um, when something kind of like comes over you in like a moment of peace, that's usually your intuition. But if it like comes to you frantically out of nowhere and it makes you feel really anxious and like, like all over the place, that's usually your ego, which is all of like your fears and anxieties. Um, And it was just like a moment of peace where I just like got this overwhelming feeling of like, not yet. And so I was like, okay, great. That's a good sign that like, I maybe can live in LA in the future, but just like not yet. So I come home. I'm like, I'll just get an apartment in like the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, just like save the money and then move somewhere in a year. Well, guess what? Apartments in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts are literally still expensive, you know, or they have horrible reviews. I was like, oh my God, I found this one that was two bedroom, 2400, cute area. Turns out down the street is where all the people who are experiencing homelessness stay. And I have no issue with people experiencing homelessness. Let me say that, right? These are people that are do not have access to the resources that they need. Um, and a lot of these people end up in these situations due to things like drug addiction or mental health issues where they're not getting the support that they need. So I have no issue with that. However, as a single woman who's probably going to have to walk her dog and take it out to the bathroom at midnight, I need to feel 100% safe where I am. That's just a must. And unfortunately, severe mental health issues and drug addiction can cause people to have somewhat erratic behaviors that I can't control. And I can't, like, you know what I mean? It just will make me feel unsafe. And um, so I'm like, okay, like what? So I started finding a couple other units, but same issue. They are not in great areas or people were saying that one of the places, the windows are not insulated properly. So their heat bill every month is $300 just for heat, not the rest of their utilities. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, so then you find an apartment that's 2,400, but then you're paying 300 a month for just one of your utilities. You still have pet rent. You still have like everything else. It's just so I'm like, yeah. I'm just feeling you just so... You should just come to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, y'all have it good over there. Y'all have it have good, really okay? Good. Yeah. The no, fact that you so have a... Consider- oh, the two bedroom. Yeah. You have a two bedroom for $1,800. i am like, oh. Yeah, I will say. I would get a shack. Reason- <laughs> I would have the a literal 400 I- square foot shack. <laughs> yeah, no, you actually would. Um, the only reason yep. why it's 1800 is because I moved in the winter. I think if I would have moved like mm-hmm. in the summer, it probably would have been like 22, 23. So it's it's a yeah. hack for sure. Um, Which but... is like, yeah, that's why I'm also trying to move right now because yes. the prices in Boston go up so much in the summer. It's actually insane. So I'm like, I feel this pressure to make a decision soon. And I'm also just so ready to have my own space. But I don't know, I will say I, which is something else I wanted to bring up in my weekly recap is the past couple of months I have been, well, this entire year, I've been challenged a lot. Um, I, there's been a lot of like mental health things going on and a lot of, uh, this is a little silly (laughs) story. Maybe I'll share the full thing one day, but I had a therapist. I don't think I've even told you, but I had a therapist for, I want to say it was like a year and a half. And I thought that like I was making progress, we were doing good things, whatever. 
Turns out he was an absolute creep and he basically ended up following me on Instagram. He was like hard eye reacting to my stories of myself and he kept telling me I didn't need therapy. And I realized I think the reason he was doing that is so that I would no longer be in like a patient therapist relationship. So his advice his advice to me would also be very sketchy. Um oh like very gosh. sketchy. Yeah. Did I never tell you about this? Oh my god. No. He one time I was dating this like really, really toxic man and his advice to get this man to like be nice to me was to seduce him. Um, so I was like, okay, <laughs> obviously I'm not working with him anymore. But basically, yeah, during that time frame, that year and a half I was working with him, I thought that like I like trusted him. So I was like, okay, like I'm I'm doing what I need to be doing. But turns out that everything I thought I was processing in that moment, I didn't actually process through and like actually work through on a like neuroscience level. So now every everything that I spent that year and a half working on. I'm having to rework on and like rehash with my therapist now, which is obviously a lot to, (laughs) on top of the things that I'm like having to just rehash that's happening this year. So it's been quite a tumultuous year and I feel like my mental health has just been like, it's been, it's been a little interesting, um, the past like couple months. And I think I'm definitely hitting like a point of like teetering on burnout at at this moment we're filming on friday december 22nd and i'm out for the rest of the year and i literally cannot wait to not think about work or any responsibilities for the next week and a half i need that so much and i'm hoping that when i have that downtime i will feel better about the moving saga that has been going on this entire year but it's just yeah. so overwhelming to like figure out what to do and where to move. And I know that I'm signing a lease for a year and it's not the rest of my life, but it's still a year. And like, that's a lot of time to be somewhere yeah. that maybe I don't like, or if I'm going to pay thousands of dollars to pack my life up and move across the country, I want to make sure it's the right choice. So I don't know. It's just in some, I'm a mess. Feel- <laughs> I sort of feel like LA might be the move for you. Like, I feel like you get so excited every time you talk about it. And also just like thinking through the whole dog thing, it is really hard Mm -hmm. to move in general, but it is also really hard to move with a dog. Like, maybe it might be better to get the dog out there. (laughs) I know. One thing I've tried to like think about is do I want to like go straight out there living from my parents' house, like go into moving oh. on my own 3,000 miles away? Or would I rather just like move out, start renting here, get my feet wet on like in the idea of like living on my own? Because I lived by myself for three years in college, but it wasn't an apartment. It was in a single dorm when I was an RA. So I haven't had that experience of being in an apartment by myself. And so part of me is like, should I just kind of do that, get my feet wet and then like use that year to like put my head down and just like grow the hell out of my business so that the cost of moving across the country is like a drop in the water and or drop in the bucket I think is the expression and then it's like you know what I mean it really doesn't matter I'm like oh whatever I can get any apartment I want in LA type thing um and that's just like I don't know but I also started reading this book last night called uh, like I think it's called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals it's not an actual time management book it's about how if you live to be 80 years old, you only live 4,000 weeks. And so, which that shook me. I was like, I hate that. That sounds horrible that I've already lived like a thousand something weeks. Like, I don't think about that. (laughs) But it was basically saying how like a lot of people will end up waiting until everything is perfect to like live their life rather than just like getting a move on with things. And so last night I was like, all right, 
screw it. I'm like, I'm just going to get a move on. I'm going to pick a damn apartment. I'm going to move in because I'm wasting time. And I'm like, <laughs> the, the more I delay this, the more I delay moving to somewhere that I love. Like, I'm like, just pull the fucking trigger grace and like get a grip, put your big girl pants on, pick a unit, sign the lease and go like enough, <laughs> enough of this like anxious bullshit. Like just fix that, fix your anxiety, fix the depression and just go girl. You know, like I just, I don't know. I've been so... I'm done with myself. I've had enough of myself, really. <laughs> I really have. Well, I can't wait to see what you choose because, yeah, I think you're in the right, like, headspace about it, like, choosing something and, like, focusing on your business and all of the things. I'm yeah. excited for you and we'll obviously keep recapping Thanks. in our little segments yes. every week on the podcast. But yes. let's get into the actual meat of this episode. Um, yes. Like we said at the beginning, we are talking about our money rules that we live by um, just as to, to financially literate 20-somethings, kind of like how do we think through like how we spend our money and how we save our money and all of the different things. So we're going to be talking through some different money rules that we live by. Grace, do you want to kick us off with one of your money rules first? Sure. One of my like big money rules for myself is that I don't buy outfits for one-time events unless it's like a super important event. Like if this was like my friend's wedding, I mean, even then I probably would just rent something from Fashion Pass. But like if this was a like once in a lifetime event that was I don't know like super duper important I'd be open to buying something but I got to this point where I was just like why am I buying outfits for one-time things I remember buying dresses for like sorority events in college which was ironic because I didn't even enjoy being in a sorority so like why I would do that I don't know but I feel like there's a pressure to like always have something cute to wear especially when it's a one-time event you know there's gonna be like a photo op at but I've honestly just found it way better to rent on Fashion Pass. I rented most of my outfits for the past weekend, like my trip to LA. I rented this really cute jumpsuit. Um, on my birthday, I rented a really cute like corduroy dress and like I ended up with really cute outfits, but I didn't have to pay for them. And both those items would be like 200 bucks if I bought them full price. And that just seems like stupid to me. Um, I'm just not someone who like values fashion in that way mm -hmm. and I also know that a lot of times the outfits I'm gonna wear for that one-time event like that jumpsuit I'd wear it like once a year if I bought it and I mm -hmm. that's just not worth it to me to do that so I try to just be realistic about you know even if I'm like oh my god I want to have like a really cute outfit like I'm like no no get on fashion pass rent it <laughs> like you do not need to buy something that you know you're only gonna wear like once a year yeah, definitely. I'm I'm the same way. I rent a lot of things. Um, the outfit that I wore to the event on Wednesday, it was all rented from Fashion Pass. But I also was getting to a point where I was like renting everything. So the only things I had in my closet were like super basic, like neutral. Like if I went out yeah. and I had to wear something for my closet, it was going to be a plain black bodysuit. I was getting to that point too. So I do try to incorporate some like pieces in my closet that are like higher quality I know I'll get some like repeat wears out of them like for example the oh, for sure. um, shirt that I wore to dinner last night it's super cute I wore it in LA too I've probably worn it like five or six times at this point and it's like navy blue and it like ties in the front and it's like satin it, like it's really cute it has like a little bit of a print on it so it's more of like a fun top um and it is something yeah. that like maybe I could have rented but like I've gotten a lot of use out of it so I do like having some pieces in my closet that aren't rented that aren't just like a black bodysuit <laughs> yeah I feel like things I know I'm gonna wear multiple times like I definitely have some more like unique tops that are just like a plain black shirt that I know I'll wear multiple times but something like a dress for a wedding that I can't see myself wearing more than once I'm like 
no like i'll just i'll just rent it so yeah that is one of my money rules what's one of yours now I feel like a big one for me has to do with credit. Um, so there's a couple things here. One, not spending on credit unless I actually have the money right now. So like not going into a purchase being like, oh, I'm going to put $1,000 onto my credit card because I know I'm going to get paid X amount of money three weeks from now. You know what I mean? It's sort of like if the money is in my account, I'm spending I can spend on my credit card, but knowing that I'm going to be able to pay off that balance in full at the end of every month is really important. Um, I think another thing that goes along with this is kind of like knowing where your money's going so that you can spend on a credit card. This might be sort of a hot take, but I totally think that the only way that you can effectively spend on a credit card without like getting yourself into credit card debt or starting to carry a balance or anything like that is if you are if is if you know exactly where your money's going. So the reason why I'm able to put all of my spending on a credit card or onto multiple credit cards with that is because I diligently track my spending and I know where every single dollar of my money is going. So I know that I'm not spending more than I'm making in any given month. So not spending on credit unless you have the money, but also not spending on credit unless you know exactly where your money's going. I said the same thing. I don't put anything on my credit card unless I have the money in my checking to pay it off in full, like in that moment. Um, one of my other money rules that I think is like kind of fun or silly is that if I see a small child selling something, I'm going to buy it. Um, I don't do this when it comes to like lemonade stands, like that type of thing. Cause that I don't like germs. Um, <laughs> so I get like weirded out. Plus having food allergies, I'm not about to be like, Hey, like, is there any gluten in what you're selling? Um, cause they, that's not what they're like, you know, they don't need that. But when I walk outside of like a grocery store, if there are boy scouts, girl scouts, any, I mean, if it's children, there are certain organizations I don't support. And so I won't like grab anything from them. But for example, earlier this year, I bought a $25 bag of kettle corn from the Boy Scouts. <laughs> and when I tell you the bag was like 75% air, I mean that it was like the, this bag of kettle corn would have been like $3 inside the store and I paid 25. Um, but I think, I mean, when I was like, oh yeah, I'll buy something, whatever. The two boys like their faces lit up they were like okay like they immediately went into salesman mode they were like we have this and this and this and it's so good whatever and um i always think about it as kind of like when whenever you have a fundraiser or you know we've all had a fundraiser that we've done at some point where we're raising money for something that's like meaningful to us or whatever it feels so good when someone donates to that and someone just cares even if it's like just a few dollars and i think for young kids when people donate it just like makes them feel good and I feel like it's very validating for them and I want to encourage them to like continue on their little entrepreneurial journeys or like just continue like trying to raise money for good causes so if there's a small kid selling something I'm buy it I, I it doesn't matter what it is I will be buying it and I I like like this rule is is like I don't know it's it kind of is like a because I know I have the money available to do this. Yeah. That's why it's also something that's important to me. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's part of like financial freedom to me is being able to support whatever 
cause these kids are supporting. 100%. I feel like that like totally reminds me. I feel like my grocery store does not do that. I used to do my grocery shopping at Walmart all through college and there would always be people outside like Mm -hmm. selling stuff. But now I shop at like annoyingly, I shop at, it's a little bit more of an expensive grocery store because it's right across the street from my apartment. And I just like the stuff that they have. um, Yeah. Then I could go across town to like shop at Aldi or whatever, but Aldi doesn't do that either. I feel like it's just Walmart. Or maybe like your yeah. stores do, but I never see people standing outside selling. That just reminded me. Yeah, there's like they'll be at Walmart or like we have another local grocery store. I'll see them at, but then we have a grocery store in my town that I never see people at. So I think it just kind of depends on the store's rules. But or if I'm at some sort of event, like if I go to a local football game and there's like little Boy Scouts selling hot chocolate, I'm like sign me up. Like whatever it is that they're whatever they're yeah. selling, I'm buying basically. <laughs> I love that. That's really sweet. My next money role is kind of still on like in the credit space. Um, Absolutely no afterpay and no 0% intro interest kind of like credit cards. Um, You know, those credit cards that are like, oh, 0% interest for 12 months or whatever. Um, None of that. None of either of those things. And the reason why is because think of afterpay like what are you what are you putting on afterpay like if you go to the mall and it's $150 worth of clothes or like $150 pair of shoes right and you put it on afterpay and you have to pay it every month for 4 months or whatever your propensity to pay off those shoes is going to decrease so significantly like immediately after you buy the shoes right you are never going to be more excited about the shoes than you are when you are purchasing them 4 months from now when yeah. you're still paying off those shoes and like maybe you don't even like the shoes anymore or maybe like your dog chewed them or something like that. Like your propensity to pay is so low at that point. Um, So it just kind of makes you like always chase the next thing. Like you might still be paying off those shoes, but then you go to the mall and like buy another pair of shoes because now you find ones that you like even better or or something like that. Or I mean, from the 0% intro interest, like credit card space, I feel like I see a lot of people in their 20s talking about these credit cards as in like, oh, I can like buy my Christmas presents on them. And like, it's great because I don't have to pay it off for a year. But like, if you shop for an entire year with the like idea that you'll just have to pay it off next year, next year is going to come around and you're still going to want to shop next year. So you're kind of just like getting yourself into a bad cycle, like trying to leverage these tools that are going to cost you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah, I feel like people use afterpay as a way to justify buying things they really don't need or that they can't really afford. Like if you, ha- I mean, if you like need a pair of shoes, like your the bottom of your shoes are literally falling off, like you cannot, you know, whatever. Um, and like the only way you can afford them is putting on afterpay. Like, okay, like you obviously need to have a pair of shoes on your feet, but I feel like I see a lot of people using it to like do a big shopping haul and like pray little thing. And I'm like, guys... <laughs> Like, if you are putting your shopping haul on Afterpay because that's the only way you can afford to do it, like, perhaps you do not need to place an order on Pretty Little Thing. Um, On the 0%, like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I even saw that you can put flights on Afterpay now. And if you are booking a flight on Afterpay, you cannot afford the trip because there are going to be so many expenses like on that trip. I mean, obviously, this is like assuming that you're taking the trip for like a vacation, not like to go home yeah. to your family or something along those yeah. lines. But like you cannot afford to like go to Miami with your friends if you're booking the flight on Afterpay because there are going to be so many expenses once you get to Miami that you also cannot afford. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say on the 0% offer cards, one thing I've seen people do, which I do think is 
pretty strategic if you are disciplined enough to follow through. But I like people in my life have used the 0% cards to do a like credit transfer and say they have like a couple thousand dollars of credit card debt left. They'll do a transfer over to a 0% intro offer card and then they just like pay. It allows them to kind of like take a pause on the interest on the credit card and then pay it off over the next 18 months. However, if you do not do that, then you're going to be hit with very high interest at the end of that period. So you definitely have to be disciplined when it comes to it. Um, but I have seen people do that. I, I mean, I won't share who in my life did this, but, um, someone I know took a, like, a I don't know if it's technically like a credit card advance or something like that on a 0% card to pay off um, a student loan that was at like 13%. It was a few thousand dollars left on the student loan, probably like five grand maybe. And it was super high interest. So they paid it off on that card and then paid off the, you know, the, the credit oh, card over so the next like six-ish months. Yeah. And it ended up saving, like it was, it was a decent chunk of interest that it ended up uh, saving them because, and they knew they would have the money, but because yeah. the interest is like accruing so rapidly on the student loan because the interest rate, I think it was like 13 or 14%. Um, and it was increasing because it was a variable rate loan. And as we know, like the rates have gone up a lot this year. So it was just, they were like, oh my God, I can't get ahead of it. So they were like, okay, I know that I'll be able to pay this off, no doubt in the next year. So they put it on the card and then got themselves out of debt a lot quicker than they would have if they were trying to just throw that cash and keep up the interest on the student loan. But I do feel like that takes, like this person is very, very financially literate, has their finances together. Like they, they're disciplined enough to do that. Um, it's definitely not, not for something, obviously not for an inexperienced person, but you're going to be careful because if you don't pay it off, then you're going to get hit with like 35% interest on that, which is obviously putting yourself in a worse position than you were in the mm -hmm. beginning. Definitely. I also think there, I've never done a balance transfer, so I'm not totally sure on this, Neither. but I'm pretty sure there is a fee associated with transferring your balance to a 0% mm -hmm. interest. So it's kind of like, there if is. you're going to do that, like make sure that you're going to be able to pay it off by the time that 0% interest ends, because yeah. then you can end up paying the fee plus all of the interest still, if you're like still mm -hmm. in the same position. But yeah, I think like yeah. if you're, if you're going to like be strategic about it, that could be a like use case for the whole 0% interest thing. Um, so yeah, if you, if you can be strategic strategic about it. Yeah, but you do definitely have to be careful. And it's not like a, ooh, like free money for the next year and a half. Yes. I'm going to put like my <laughs> shopping hauls on this over and over. And I do feel like that's where a lot of people, they're like, oh my God, I don't get hit with interest. Like I'll just pay it off in a year and a half. And then they get to the end of that year and a half and they've racked up $5,000 worth of stuff. And they're like, wait, I don't have five grand to pay this off this month. And then they end up a little screwed. So I, I totally get your point. It's a bit of a game if you want to try to be strategic with them. But sure. okay, let's see. One of my other money rules, I'll save my controversial one for the next one um, and keep my not so controversial one now, but I will always have multiple streams of income. I will never rely on one. I think this comes from the fact that I've never worked a standard nine to five. I had a nine to five job when I was in college where I worked at a daycare as a teaching assistant. And then I got certified to be a teacher and then COVID happened. Um, so I never actually got to work like the nine to five, like as a teacher with like benefits and whatever. But I was a seasonal employee working 40 hours a week at the daycare. And I had like my one stream of income, but 
I was in college and it was like a seasonal job. So I wasn't really worried about it. But then after I graduated college, I started my, mar my marketing company right away. And from that, I've always had multiple streams of income. I always have several clients. I have passive income coming in from product sales. I have active income coming in. I even still use like cashback apps because when I was making like $2,000 a month pre-tax, I was trying to get money any way I could. And so I feel like it's just like in my blood now to like keep trying to like get money as many ways as I can. But I just could not imagine now having one stream of income. I think it would literally make me so anxious. So I will always have like multiple. Yeah. I, I feel like this one can be considered a little bit controversial because you see all the time on social media, like oh, you shouldn't have to have more than one stream of income to survive. And it's kind of the debate around like things are just too expensive for us to live right now. And like, mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation. But it's less about the point that you can't afford to live off of one stream of income. It's more about the security piece. Because even if you have yeah. like the most steady nine to five job ever and you're a salaried employee and your salary is really great and you can afford to live off of your one income – you can still get laid off. And a lot of people are seeing that right now. Like, in the, I mean, there's people that we know in the Pittsburgh area that have been get, getting laid off over the past six months. And like, if you only have one stream of income, it can kind of be hard to like supplement in the interim when you are like trying to find another main source of income, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people when they say like, oh, well, you shouldn't have to have multiple streams of income to survive. I think it comes from the fact that a lot of nine to five jobs genuinely like the salaries do not support basic living necessities like thinking about teachers for example if you're making $35,000 a year as a teacher unless you're living in an area that has the lowest cost of living you could be 35 and having to live with a roommate because you cannot afford an apartment on your own on that salary and I think that's where a lot of people get upset about the whole yes. like stream because it's like if you're already working 40 hours a week and then you're having to go work 50 just to be able to afford shampoo and groceries yeah. and rent that's crazy like there's something wrong here but I do think that the security aspect because I, I get a lot of people and maybe you've gotten this too as an entrepreneur people will say aren't you worried about like what happens if you lose your job or what happens I'm like what happens if you lose your job I'm like <laughs> you have one if I lose a client I have literally eight others plus my social media income, plus my products, plus my cashback apps, plus like I used to do Instacart. So I still like, I'm still an active driver on there. I can pick that up if I want to. Like I have so many other ways to make income. I'm not worried about losing a client at any given time. If I had a full-time job, I feel like I would always fear losing it because I don't know what I would do if I lost it. And this isn't to say that like, if you have a nine to five that you're being like <laughs> irresponsible yeah. or whatever, but it's just to say that like a lot of people are like, what would you do if you lost a client? I'm like, I'd be fine. And if I yeah. lost all of them, I would just go apply for another job the same way people in nine to fives would, you know? Yeah, definitely. My one really good friend, she has a very, very good nine to five job. And that's obviously her main stream of income. But she does a lot of like babysitting, pet sitting, walking mm -hmm. dogs, things like that. And when her job is busy, she takes less of those gigs. But if she were, was ever in a situation where she did lose her job, she's like very active on care.com and has a lot of good reviews and people in the community know that she provides these services. So she, she could very easily pick up more gigs because she's sort of built that resume from doing like, I guess you could call it a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay, my next money rule is to pay for things for the people that you care about. And there are some stipulations to this, obviously, but I think this is just kind of like an overarching money rule that I've developed over the last couple of years as I've been increasing my income. And this does come from a place of like, I'm so grateful to be in the income situation that I'm in and I want to spend money on the people that I care about. So For example, if my friends and I go to the bar, I want to be able to buy them a drink and not be like, oh my gosh, how much are you going to Venmo me or anything like that? I want to just be able to buy them a drink and not be like, you you have the next one because I bought you this one. Like it's not, it's not about that. However, I will say, and I feel like you feel the same way about this, only doing that for friends that you know will reciprocate it to some extent. And again, it's not saying if I bought you a drink, you have to buy me a drink the next time. It's just... I want to feel to some extent that that person will reciprocate it in some way. If I'm always the one that's buying them drinks every single time we go out or picking up the tab at dinner or anything like that, and it's never being reciprocated, then you're kind of like, okay, maybe I, maybe I won't do this with this specific friend. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that was my like kind of controversial money rule that I have too, (laughs) is that I, cause I made a video talking about my money rules and I got so much flack for this. Um, some people loved it. Some people hated it, but I will not pay for friends that I don't really know very well or friends that I do not feel like would do the same for me. And again, it's not about like, oh, I paid for you this time. You have to pay for me next time. But the example I used in the video on social media was talking about how I had a friend of mine. We're still friends to this day. We used to like we always would get coffee before school. So we, she, on a Monday, she'd be like, I'm going to this coffee shop. Like, let me know what you want. And I'd be like, here, this is my order. And then the next day I'd be like, oh, I'm stopping at Dunkin' on the way. Like, what do you want? And we never Venmoed each other for anything because we were always trading off. And I knew, oh, if I happened to, you know, some mornings she'd be like, I'm running late. I can't grab coffee. I'd be like, oh, like I'll stop and grab coffee. I knew if I was buying her coffee two or three times that week, I'm not nickel and diming her and being like, well, you only went once this week. So like, you know, but I wouldn't be doing that with friends that I didn't trust because I've definitely met people that are just like, oh, like they're buying things for me. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, like I'll, I'll just let it happen. Like I'm, I don't need to like, you know, do anything in return. And it's, again, it's not that I expect them to do something in return. It's just, I don't know. Or like if I'm at dinner with my friends and they order something like I'm totally fine to split the, split the check if we had similar things. I'm not going to nickel and dime. Like I do this with my friend all the time where we'll go out to dinner. His order will be like $4 more than mine. And I'm like, no, just, like, let's just split yeah. it. We do not need to like put the waitress through like getting separate checks. Like it's $4. It's really fine. However, if I go somewhere where like someone orders something drastically different, you know, like we are at dinner, they order three rounds of drinks. I don't order a drink. I'm like, we will be doing, we will be paying based on the items that we got. Like I'm not, I'm not going to split because it does add up over time. But yeah, some people did not like that on social media. When I said that they were like, would you, do you hate your friends? Like, I'm like, no, I love my friends. (laughs) I also just like have a budget and goals. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way about the whole Venmo thing. Um, I think most of the time when my friends and I go out for dinner and drinks and things like that, we split it, but there will definitely be sometimes where 
like one friend isn't hungry and she's like really not Mm -hmm. eating anything or one friend didn't get a drink and then it's like okay she pays less you know what I mean like you have to figure that out but for the most part everyone's just kind of like splitting things and I'm also not about like nickel and diming my friends because I don't think that's like worth it um at all so yeah I'm like kind of in the same boat the other thing that I said in regard to this money role is not being 50 50 with a partner um and like in my relationship my Mm -hmm. boyfriend and I don't split things 50 50 if we go out to dinner we aren't splitting the check or anything like that Mm -hmm. or we order I don't even know what other example to use but we're not 50 50 in that regard however I think I I I actually saw this on social media a couple days ago they said What's better than 50-50 is one day it being 80-20 and the other day it being 20-80. You know what I mean? I saw this video. Yeah. Yeah. Like one day my boyfriend is spending a lot more money on me than I am on him and the next day it's the opposite. So just kind of Mm -hmm. like trading off and keeping tabs, not keeping tabs, but just like me being conscious about like, okay, he's been spending a lot of money on me recently. What can I get him? Can I get groceries and make him dinner or let me make sure I pick up the takeout when we order takeout mm-hmm. this weekend or something like that, just not being split down the middle. Like, oh, I, I got takeout, so you owe me $30. Like, I, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I think in certain instances, it makes sense to, like, split. Like, say you're going to a basketball game together and your tickets are $150 a piece. I'd be like, hey, can you Venmo me for your ticket? Because, like, that's yeah. a lot of money. But I feel like, yeah, for things like dinner, like, any time I've seen anyone consistently or, like, if I was – like in relationships and stuff, it was always like, okay, you'll grab dinner this time. I'll just like grab it the next time. Or like, oh, you just paid for our tickets to the movies. Like I'll grab snacks or something. And just Mm -hmm. kind of trading off that way. Because I always think about it in terms of if you, I mean, if you're seeing someone very casually or just like friends with benefits or whatever, Venmo me, you're my friends with benefits. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? But like, in terms of like, if this is a long-term partner, if I'm going to like I don't know if we're dating for a long time, like a long time, let's say we get all the way to the point of marriage. I am not going to be like, oh, like I bought like our daughter Susie shoes. So like you need to Venmo me like $15 for her shoes. That <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like I know yeah. like, and I have seen couples that do this because you know how on Venmo there's like a little oh, like yeah. <laughs> ex- when you first log in, it's like the explore feed or whatever. So apparently it's based off people you have in your contacts and this is like silly. I have nothing against these people at all, but there were some people that happened to be in my contacts, I guess, from like forever ago. And I, on my homepage, it was literally just their transaction. And it was in the same day. Like it would be like on Friday, it was like in the morning, groceries, like lunch, uh, coffee, um, like literally everything. Like, and they were going back and forth. So it was like, he would request her, she'd request him. And I'm like, guys, why don't you just do like a running total at the end of the day and do like one Venmo back and forth like why are we and I'm like you know what though if that works for your relationship you do it but if I had to Venmo my partner like literally it was like literally five times back and forth I'm sorry we're no like this relationship's probably not gonna work out I mean that 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 couple's very happy but I'm not saying they won't work out I'm just saying for me it wouldn't work out for me for sure I'm the same way I will say in my last relationship we lived together and I think that makes Mm. it a little bit different um the only things that we would Venmo each other for were I did the grocery shopping I just I like the grocery store I like to do the grocery shopping Mm -hmm. so I would go every single week and it would be like 150 dollars and he would Venmo me half for that every yeah which I think is very fair yeah like I'm not spent I'm not buying all of your groceries absolutely not no (laughs) and then utilities were like the other thing but oh yeah for sure yeah yeah 
and like rent if someone's paying like the rent it's yes. on their card and like you then with them like that's fair I think the, the larger things are fair I think where it's like it's a little like funky to me is I'm just like I am not going to Venmo request you if I pick up coffee for you and I or like if we're gonna go on a date like we don't need to split it like you grab it this time I'll grab it the next like unless people are in a situation where they're like living paycheck to paycheck and they're like hey I can afford like a $20 dinner but I cannot afford a $50 dinner so do you mind Venmoing me for yeah like of course that's fine you know but yeah I'm so I don't need to like yeah. Venmo request you for the coffee that you bought this morning. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay, let's see. One of my next um, uh, money rules. Forgot what we're even calling these. Um, I this is kind of like an interesting one. I guess it's like a less like concrete one, but if it creates a core memory or it's something that I feel like is an experience I'm going to look back on, I will be open to splurging on it. Um, I feel like this is something I tried not to splurge on. Like I would try to cut corners all the time, but now I'm like, you know what? Some of these things like this trip to LA, my friend that I took, we've never traveled together, but we've been friends since the eighth grade. And we came out of this trip so much closer. We have so many inside jokes now. We literally were joking about how we felt like it really took our friendship to the next level. And had I been like, no, like, I don't want to like, go to this restaurant that he wants to check out that's literally across the city and cost us like $60 in Ubers to get to. Like if I tried to be cheap about it, we would have like missed out on those memories and those like moments. And that's not worth it to me. I feel like it just makes sense to splurge on those things. Or for example, I went to a Celtics game with someone a couple years ago who was given tickets. So I didn't have to pay for it. But after going to the game and sharing that with him and like that experience, I would definitely pay and like splurge a little bit on a ticket because of how much I enjoyed that experience and the ability to like share that with someone. Um, I took my dad kayaking earlier this year and I'm not like a kayaker by any means, but I paid for like this guided kayak sunset tour for him because he actually just retired today. Today was his last day of work ever. He just went into like Aww. pick up his belongings and say goodbye. <laughs> he already came home today. Yeah, he was only at work for a couple hours. I'm so excited so for him, sweet. but I know I'm like, it makes me feel kind of sad. Like, I'm like oh my God, it's like bittersweet. <laughs> but um, he had mentioned that he really wanted to try kayaking in retirement. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll spend the like hundred bucks that it is to take him on this, you know, hour long sunset kayak tour so that he can check it out and see if he likes it, if he wants to, you know, kayak in retirement. And I feel like those were things that I would be like a hundred dollars for like an hour long experience. Like that's so much money, whatever. But like, and now that I'm making more too, the value of the dollar kind of shifts a little bit. Like I'm like, okay, it's a hundred bucks, like to make a memory with my dad that we're going to hold on to forever. It's 100% worth it. So I don't cheap out on those things anymore. I really try to push myself to splurge yeah. and make the memories. I'm the same way. And that this doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, every month you need to like take a trip with your friends and stuff, but you do kind of mm -hmm. correlate like memories with trips. And one of my favorite yeah. memories from this year was in March, eight of my friends, we all went down to Miami for like a girls weekend. It was the best time. And these were girls that I, I was close with a couple of them, but we left literally all eight of us were so close and it was so fun. And we literally still talk in our Miami group chat to this day Aww. because it was just so fun. Um, so yeah, 
I'm, I'm the same way, splurging on like events, experiences, memories. They don't all have to be like huge vacations. You could definitely do more budget-friendly things, um, but yeah. splurging on the experiences for sure. Let's yeah, see. Sure. My next one is around like the topic of impulse spending. So I don't have like a hard and fast rule on like some people will be like, oh, if it's over $50, I have to wait X amount of time before I buy it or whatever. And I I don't think Mm -hmm. I have anything like that in my head. But what I have done over the past year, which I think really helped the whole impulse spending thing is I have a note in my phone called my to be bought list. Um, Mm -hmm. And anytime I'm like scrolling through TikTok or I just see something that I want to buy, I add it to the to be bought list. And you would be amazed at like the stupid shit you put on this list. Mm -hmm. You look back a month later and you're like, why did I think that I wanted that? Whereas in college, I would want something and then just order it online and then not even need it anymore. Yup. Yeah. (laughs) There is another creator I'm friends with named Elise. Her Instagram is like the Savvy Sagittarius and she has a didn't buy list where she does the same thing and she puts things on there and she's like, you, you'll, she'll do little screenshots of her list and post it. And she's like the amount of things I don't buy, you know, because I, I'm like, Oh, I really want this. And then I write it down and then I think about it and I'm like, I don't want that. Um, I used to do this with clothes. Like if I'm out shopping, I would take a picture of something and then just like leave it in my phone. And I would never go back and buy any of the things. Like I, I would leave the store and I'd never think about the item ever again. (laughs) I'm like, there I am debating. I remember there was one item, it was like a dress in Old Navy for like 40 bucks. And I was like, I don't know if I like should buy it. Let me take a picture of it. And if I think about it, I'll come back and get it. I never thought of it again. Like, yeah, never. It just, yeah, I don't know. So many of the things are like, oh, I really want it. And then you take some time to think about it and you're like, no, I don't. I really don't right. actually want that. Speaking of clothes, I don't do a ton of in-person shopping anymore. I feel like the malls mm-hmm. around me just aren't that great. But yeah, they kind of suck now. To, yeah, I used to do a lot of in-person shopping in college and I had a really bad problem of like impulse spending on clothes at the mall um and one Mm -hmm. rule that I implemented in college was if I'm not excited enough about the item to try it on in the store I don't need it because like you know when you're really Mm -hmm. excited about something and you like get it home and you like need to put it on immediately just like look at it if you're not that excited about it and you like can't fathom like putting it or you like can't take the time to try it on in the store like you don't need the thing yeah I do like something similar with clothes when I'm going to buy them where I ask myself, how many times can I see myself wearing this and how many ways can I see myself wearing this? Like a pair of jeans I will splurge on. I have a pair of jeans that were like $250 and they're my favorite jeans I've ever had. And they're worth it because I wear them literally all the time. But if I, you know, this is really like, this is really funky patterned top or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I can only see myself wearing it with like these jeans and these shoes. I'm like, No. I'm like, that's an item you can rent because if you can only wear it one way, you're not going to wear it enough throughout the year. At least I won't wear it enough throughout the year to make it worth it unless it's like stupid cheap. But yeah, I I always ask myself like, like if I, like how much can I see myself wearing it? And I also tell myself if it's a maybe in the store, like if it's not a hell yeah, when I try it on, it's a no because I would find over time, I'd be like, well, I feel like this would be cute if I like styled it this way, or maybe I just need the right shoes. And then I would take it home and I would never wear it because I didn't have the right things to wear it with, or I wasn't excited to wear it. So if it's not a hell yeah in the dressing room, it's a no, I just Mm -hmm. put it back and don't buy it. That's another money rule on clothes is if you 
try something on and you're like, oh, this would be cute if I had X, Y, and Z pieces that you don't have, it's a no. Because the mm-hmm. odds that you're like actually going to go buy those, like one, you yeah. have to buy three new pieces to like style the shirt or whatever it is that you're buying. Um, so you have to buy more and you have to spend more money to buy this top. Um, but the odds of you actually going out and buying those pieces to be able to buy the top are so low, you're never going to wear the top. Yeah, I agree. Um, my last money rule on my list is never touch the emergency fund, or as we called it in a previous episode, the peace of mind fund, which I think I'm going to rename mine in my ally Hyatt savings account. But I never, ever touch that unless it's like a genuine, like, I would say emergency, but for example, I brought my car in for like an oil change and they were like, Hey girl, you got a lot of shit wrong with your car right now. And I was like, Oh, okay. And this is a place I trust. Like I, they've never tried to pull one over on me, but I had to get a couple things fixed. It was like a safety issue with my car and it was like $700. So I pulled that money out of my emergency fund because it was later in the month and I didn't have enough. If something happens at the beginning of the month and I can change my budget around to accommodate that expense, I will. But it was the end of the month and I was like, I like I've already spent in alignment with my budget. So I don't have like I had enough left in my budget to pay that, but I would have had to like not invest that month or not like pay some of the bills that I needed to pay. So I'm like, okay, I'll just pull it from my emergency fund and I'll put the money back in there. But I am not touching that under any circumstance unless the world's falling apart, the sky's falling, there's a crisis. Like I I'm I'm not like a oh well like I have the money so I will take no nope mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, am yeah, way too anxious yeah, yes like- exactly I am such an anxious girly my emergency fund is like more than it needs to be and I still don't feel like it's enough and to me it really is about having peace of mind so the lower it goes it stresses me out so I I'm not I will not touch that unless there is an actual dire emergency. Yeah, I'm the same way. I never pull money. I I mean, luckily, I haven't had an emergency that I have had yeah. to use my emergency fund for, but I don't touch mine either. So that's a rule yeah, for me as well. Should we get into some of our listener questions? You're yes. out of time here. Um, I'll ask you the first one because I know you were just talking about a car and you probably have a lot of thoughts on this. How to yes. choose slash finance a car. What are your thoughts there? Yes. So yeah, my car with the issues that it's had, um, which this was part of the reason why my week has been really stressful. Like I said, in the beginning of the episode, we were coming, there was like a bunch of storms on the East coast and basically a lot of my area was without power. We had no internet, no cable. So when I came home from my trip, our flight was delayed a little bit. I came home. I tried to drive home from my friend's house that night at 1am. My car would not start. Uh, so I had to stay over. My friend's dad took a look at it the next morning. He was like, girl, I'll be so honest with you. Your car looks exhausted. Like the inside just looks tired and my car does have 150,000 miles on it so we know it's gonna like she's gonna make her exit in the next couple years but it is making me think a lot more about what kind of car I want to buy because I want to start the process of looking at prices test driving cars figuring out what I actually want so that I can negotiate the best deal but I feel like when it comes to choosing a car I feel like you really have to think about the, it is an investment. Um, it's a lot of money, right? Like some of the cars I was looking at previously were like 35, 
$40,000. And I was like, I have plenty of time to save. Like I could get myself a $40,000 car and you know, I'm like, that'd be so fun. Drive a really cool car in my twenties. And then I was like, what am I, why? I'm like, what am I doing that? Like for, you know what I mean? Like I am 25 when I'm 35 and I have fuck you money and I can just like throw money out here. What? Fine. Buy a nice car. However, I just feel personally getting something more practical that's going to last is important. I'm also not someone who values cars. And so I think that's something to think about. Like, I don't want to drive like a sports car. Like that doesn't bring me joy. If that brings you immense, immense joy, and maybe you hate traveling, so you don't spend in that category or something like that, maybe you can justify a more expensive car. But I just feel like, I don't know, for me, I was like, something practical makes more sense. So I'm looking primarily at Toyotas and Hondas and maybe a a Kia um, because Toyotas last, they're like friggin' indestructible and they last forever. And that's important to me. Um, I also think one thing to keep in mind when you choose the actual vehicle that you want is if when you get car insurance, certain cars are more expensive to insure. So if you do decide to get a car that's more expensive, that has a higher car payment, keep in mind that that's not the full cost you'll pay every month for that car. You're going to have to pay insurance as well and it can add up. So like you can very quickly just add a couple hundred dollars a month on top of your car payment from insurance. So like think that through, try to get some quotes, like, I don't know, just look at what the averages are. Um, And then when it comes to the financing side, so I think I've mentioned before that I do a lot of like personal finance writing during the day with my marketing company. And I used to write for a car insurance marketplace. And so I used to write about this literally all the time. And what I found in my research was that credit unions tend to offer the lowest interest rate. However, if you don't want to sign up for the credit union or you just don't have one near you that you trust, whatever the circumstance is, you can negotiate your interest rate the same way you can negotiate the car price when you're at the dealership. So if they offer you something like 7% interest, you can say like, I'll buy the car if you offer me five and a half or six or something like that. You can negotiate that the same way you do the price. So, and I think it's wise to always negotiate unless they offer you something that's like crazy low that you're like, yeah, I'm not even going to mess with it. But car salesmen want to make the sale. So they're, they're open to negotiation. So try credit union. Um, and there also are marketplaces where you can look at different insurance prices. So you can put in like the make and model of the car, your credit score, et cetera. And then, um, it will show you what you, what rates you pre-qualify for at a bunch of different lenders for car loans. And I'm big fans of marketplaces because it allows you to kind of see your rate at a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. So I, if I can find them, I'll link some of the marketplaces in the show notes, but check a credit union first, cause that's probably where you're yeah. going to get the best rate. My car loan is with a credit union. The reason why is at my first job out of college, I was working with a government agency and I was a bank examiner. So we like regulated the bank. Mm -hmm. So we were not allowed to have any products with banks, if that makes sense. Like I could have a credit card and a primary mortgage, but other than that, I wasn't allowed to have like a car loan. I couldn't, I couldn't go to Apple and finance a phone. Um, not that I like wanted to or anything, but like I couldn't, yeah, there were like so many different things that I could not do. And obviously I I don't work there anymore, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I needed a car and my dad was like, how are you going to finance this thing? And my only option was a credit union. Um, I will say it depends on the brand, like which brand of car you 
go with whether mm-hmm. you can get financing like through the dealership because I know for me yeah. I drive a Nissan and Nissan doesn't offer like their own financing so mm-hmm. when I went to the dealer and I was like going to finance at the Nissan dealership they like pull in rates from like a bunch of different yeah. banks and credit unions and I told them that they could only pull credit unions because I like wasn't allowed to get a loan through a bank um yeah so that's like kind of how it works but I think Honda has their own financing um mm-hmm. I know that's one off the top of my head but I don't, I don't know like who else has their own financing but yeah I, I would say too like with the whole practicality thing like obviously making sure you get a vehicle that's like practical but it depends on your situation too. Like I know for Mm -hmm. me, like I got a sedan because I was like, okay, I was driving a lot for work at the time and I wanted a car that was like amazing on gas mileage. I literally walked into the Nissan dealer and was like, I need a car that is so good on gas mileage. (laughs) Like, because I drive so much for work and I wanted to like optimize my mileage reimbursement. But if you're in a situation where maybe you have a family or you like go on road trips or, or things like that and you want an SUV, like maybe don't compromise on the sedan. I was just talking about this in a video that I was doing because I um, was working with Chevy for a campaign and I was talking about it. I was like, if you um, want a sedan or if you want an SUV because like that's what fits your lifestyle, but you compromise on a sedan, are you going to want to trade up your car earlier? Because maybe it is a better idea to just get the SUV. There still are a lot of affordable SUVs out there that are still good on gas and all of the things. Um, but just kind of like thinking through what works for like your actual life situation. Yeah. One thing I think about too, although people on social media were like, don't even think about this. You're like 25 or whatever. But I was like, whatever car I get next, if I keep it for 10 years, I'm going to be 35 when I get rid of that. I'm likely going to have my children in that car. So for me, because I'm not a big car person, I'm like, I want to make sure that it works not just for me now, but throughout the whole lifespan of the car. So I'm not going to get something that I can't fit a stroller in or that, you know what I mean? I'm I'm thinking about, okay, I want a dog. Like I want my dog to have space in the car. Like I'm not going to get, I'm not going to drive a punch buggy. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, just things like that. I feel like think of it as an investment the same way that you would think of a house or like picking a college or something like that. Although it is cheaper than a house and college, it's still something you're probably going to hold on to for 10 years. Um, and it's a depreciating asset. The second you drive off the lot, it loses value. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, like I could just like sell it in a couple of years. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to get a fraction of what you paid for it. And like think, genuinely think through, would I be happy if I sold my car in five years and I didn't get a lot back for it? Because I know I would be very butthurt and upset. And I'm the type of person who's like, I'm going to drive my car until I am dragging the bumper down the road. I am not just going to upgrade for the sake of like whatever because I just don't value it. So I want a car that I can drive until, you know, 150K, 200K miles. I don't want something that's like shitting the bed, you know, at 80,000. So it's just a couple things to think about. Definitely. Okay. Next listener question. I feel like you can take this one. How much should you save and invest? Should I do 10% investing and 10% saving or is there another ratio that you recommend? We get asked this all the time, like the percentages and like what percent should I be saving or what percentage should I be investing? There isn't, you can't just give like a general rule of thumb. Like there is no rule of thumb for this. It's going to be so dependent on everyone's situation. Um, I am totally in the boat where I think in your 20s because, you know, compound interest and time in the market is so important and all of that, doing what you can and like saving and investing as much as possible like in these early crucial years is important but i can't be like that number has to be 10 percent or that number has to be 15 percent. i can't say that because it's going to be so 
different for everyone's situation. But one thing to consider is um, everyone asks about like lifestyle creep and, you know, like you start to make more money, but like I'm spending more money. So how do I think about that? That's when I think like these percentages kind of come into play. So do like take a look at your budget right now with how much you're currently saving or how much you're currently investing and get that percentage. Maybe right now you're saving 10% and you are investing 10%. So in a year, if your income increases or you add another stream of income or anything like that, take another look at those percentages and make sure your percentage has increased because that's that's like the important part when it comes to lifestyle creep. I would consider lifestyle creep being like, let's say right now you're saving and investing 10% of your income. And then three years from now, you've doubled your income, but you're still only saving and investing 10%. At that point, like that spread is being covered strictly by spending money. You haven't increased or like improved your financial situation. So I think the percentages are important, but maybe not for what you think they're important for. I would also add two things here. One, what helped me in figuring out how much I need to invest was using a retirement calculator to figure out how much I want to retire with and then working backwards and seeing like, what do I need to contribute every month to retire on time? Because having that concrete number was really helpful for me because otherwise I'm just throwing out like some arbitrary percentage and being like, yeah, like 10% sounds good. But then what if 10% doesn't actually get me to the amount that I want to have when I retire. So I feel like if you can use a retirement calculator, I'll link some of my favorite ones in the show notes. The other thing I will say, and I'll link this in the show notes as well, it really overwhelmed me to like the thought of potentially not contributing the right amount. And I, again, being a little anxious girly, I was like, I would love someone to just look this over and give me some advice. So I actually used this program called Uprise. They um, have been one of my clients for a while. So that, and I actually... I reached out to them and was like, hey, like your company, it looks so cool. And they were like, do you want access to the platform? And it was before they like you could access it publicly. And I was like, oh my God, hell yeah. So I got to use the platform over a year ago um, before it was released to the public. And it was immensely helpful. And now that you can just like, like anyone can go on, you don't have to get like early access or anything. Um, I think it's a really great option. I believe it's like $99 for um basically you like fill out all of your information and they have a financial advisor that looks over or I'm sure be a financial planner I don't know her exact uh title but she basically does that and she will look over your entire situation and create a plan for you so she was able to say okay you make this much money right now assuming that you want to live on x amount in retirement here's how much you would need to start investing every single month to you know retire with the amount that you want and it was right around, it was actually slightly below the amount I had been investing every month at the time. And that gave me so much peace of mind. I also was able to tell her I invest in a target date fund in M1 finance. Like, are, is that a good strategy? Is that a good platform? And she would say like, yes, I really like M1 finance. And like, yes, like, you know, your target date fund, like what you're invested in seems like really good. I think you're all set. And that was really helpful. So if you, if it would also just help you to have the peace of mind around like, the, having the stamp of approval from a professional, definitely check out Uprise. I will link them in the show notes, like I said, but it's a more affordable way to work with a financial advisor and get that assistance rather than trying to like locate one around you and having to go in person or like, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it is really helpful. I will say I really, really like the platform. 
I love that. This last one, I'll just answer really quick because we're fresh out of time. Um, we <laughs> just filmed an episode a couple weeks ago talking about like how influencers make money and our different streams of income as content creators and all of the things. Um, and we briefly touched on taxes in there, like taxes for influencers and different things like that. And we got a question in Spotify, which please continue leaving us questions in Spotify. We love getting questions in there and we try to incorporate those questions into this solicitor question segment first. So that's a really good place to leave questions for us or DM us on Instagram with some questions as well if you don't want to leave them in Spotify. Um, we got a question asking, can a new phone be a tax write-off coming from like the how influencers make money episode? Um, I just got a new phone and I wrote it off through my business because I use it literally every single day for work. Um, I film content on there, edit, do all of the things, my emails on there, everything like that. Um, so for my business, like my CPA told me that I could write it off. I think people's situations are going to be different. It definitely depends what you do for work, how you make money, what your like income situation looks like. But I did write my phone off and my CPA told me that that was totally fine to do so. We can actually film and like an entire episode on taxes. If you guys are interested, maybe like different things we write off for our taxes, how we kind of think through that. Um, what our tax like planning strategy and process looks like. Maybe we can even bring my CPA on to the episode. I think that would be really fun. He's awesome. Um, he has like such great insight. So if you guys want to see that episode, definitely let us know in Spotify if that's like an episode that we should add to our content calendar for January. Um, but I think that's the end of the episode. This was a really fun one um, and it's right before the holidays. So I know we're excited to take some time off, but we'll still be posting episodes every single week moving forward. So thank you guys for tuning in and until next week.